You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. All spoke well of him. We're amazed at his gracious words. Isn't this Joseph's son? Is that that Joseph's son? But at some point, and and I have to believe, based on verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words. I have to believe that we're not given the transcript. We don't have everything he said in that message. Because at some point in his delivery, He said some things they really didn't like. In today's message from Pastor Danny, Jesus comes home to Nazareth. Sadly, it wasn't quite the warm welcome that he deserved. He was met with skepticism, mockery, and general rejection. The people knew where Jesus came from, and it was hard to believe the Messiah would come from amongst their humble ranks. They expected God to deliver them in a much more glorious and flashy fashion. Just like so many others, they misunderstood their God and the salvation that he wanted to bring. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter six, as he begins his message, Faith and Honor. Mark chapter 6 and verse 1, Jesus left there, went to his hometown, which was Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him, that he even does miracles? Now, he hasn't done any miracles in his hometown. They hear about the miracles he's done in other places. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? These would have been his siblings, other children Joseph and Mary had after Jesus. And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And if you're like me, you read that and go, I'd like him to do more of that here. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. This is Jesus' homecoming. And in my study, my mind went back to when I was a kid and the church right down the street that my mother and grandmother used to take me to fairly often Um, Emmanuel Baptist Church. It became my home church years later, 19 years old, when I gave my life to Christ. But when I was a kid and going to that church, uh, one of the first things I remember significant that, that still is in my memory now was homecoming. I didn't know why they had homecoming, but I knew they called it homecoming, homecoming Sunday. And uh, I didn't really care why they did it. I just began to love it because at homecoming, after the service, they had what they called a pot blessing. 
and people would bring food and uh, you never had fried chicken like this. I'm telling you, man, the fried chicken was off the chart. But even more than the fried chicken, banana pudding. You never had banana pudding like they do, like they make it in my hometown in South Carolina, Hartsville, South Carolina. Best banana pudding I've ever had in my life. That's one dessert I can't say no to still today. And I have these wonderful memories as a young boy. Uh, every year I look forward to, even if I hadn't been in church very much at all, I didn't want to miss homecoming because of the fried chicken and the banana pudding. But this homecoming for Jesus, there was no fried chicken. There was no banana pudding. And it started out okay, but it sure didn't end okay. Now, I know we're studying Mark chapter 6, but it's worthwhile and really needful to get all out of this that we should and hopefully will get out of it to know the complete context of what I just read in these six verses, six, five and a half verses or six and anyway, those verses. To get the whole context, you got to go to Luke's gospel. So go with me to Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to snail my way through here purposely, uh, verse 14 of Luke 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Uh, Returned to Galilee from what? From 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And he returns in the power of the Spirit. Please note with me, verse 1 of chapter 4, Luke, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. So he goes into the experience 40 days in the desert, full of the Spirit. He comes out of the desert, tempted by the devil for 40 days, full of the Spirit. When he went into the desert, he had just come from his baptism at the Jordan, baptized by John the Baptist. Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove and lights upon him because the Holy Spirit anoints him for his public ministry, which he's about to launch. And at that baptism, we're told a voice from heaven spoke. That's obviously the Father. And the voice audibly, everybody heard this voice that was there. This is my beloved son, whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Last half of verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. So as he, he's beginning to go about, word begins to spread. What word? What news? Well, those that were there at his baptism, a voice from heaven spoke. This is my son whom I love. Nah, come on. No, I was there, man. I heard it. And you don't have it chronologically, but when you look at the gospel accounts, uh, when he launched his public ministry, uh, well, even before, really, the official launch, you can argue about that, but it really doesn't matter. His first miracle publicly, John chapter 2 records it. Remember what it was? He's at a wedding. They ran out of wine. And he turns water into wine. Jesus did that. And that word spread, especially among the Baptists. <laughs> Oh, it wasn't real wine. It was grape juice. What? Just offended the Baptists that are here. You mean it wasn't grape juice? Let's move on. Come on. And then you go, uh, keeping a marker there in Luke, because I'm coming back to Luke and read on, but in Mark chapter 1, some of the news that would spread about him, uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse 21, he drives out an evil spirit, and verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. They're like, man, you got to hear this guy. Chapter 1 of Mark, 
Verse 34, Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. Uh, Verse 40 and following, a man with leprosy. Uh, he's cleanses this man with leprosy. Remember Mark chapter two, the paralytic let down through the roof right there where Jesus is. Uh, son, your sins are forgiven. And the leaders are who are there, the Jewish leaders, that's blasphemy. Only God has authority to forgive sins. And he knows what they're thinking. And he says to the paralytic, I say to you, so that you may know that the son of man has authority to forgive sins. I say to you, get up, take your mat and go home. The guy got up, took his mat and went home. You better know news about that spread. And then you get to places like Mark's gospel, chapter 3, verse 10, for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. You get to Mark chapter 5. You won't forget that story, will you? The guy living among the tombs, hadn't worn clothes for some time. Nobody can control the guy. They chain him and he gets away and Jesus delivers him. And the people of the town come out and see this guy sitting with Jesus dressed and in his right mind. And he goes through the Decapolis, the 10 cities where all the Gentiles, especially Jews too, but a lot of Gentiles. And he begins to tell them uh, how God had delivered him and Jesus had, had, had done for him what he had done. And that, that word spread quick. And then the woman with the issue of blood and healing her. And then Jairus, his synagogue ruler, his daughter, raising her from the dead. And then Jesus telling him, no, make sure you don't tell anybody. Of course, right. <laughs> Listen, here's the point. News is spreading about what he's doing, about his teaching. You got to hear this guy. And then he comes home. Back in Luke chapter 4, verse 15, he taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Then he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. Now on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, we know this as Isaiah 61. But in this day, there weren't chapter and verse divisions. Man put that there just to help find things in the Bible. So this is just a scroll and a section of Isaiah that we know as Isaiah 61. And it begins in what we know as verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. It was customary for the synagogue teachers to do the reading standing and then sit and teach. We lost that custom. Here, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Because he's the guy giving the message today, in this day, in his hometown. Now, I'm not told, but I, I, don't have, I don't have any doubt. I don't have any doubt. Word is spread. Jesus is coming home. By the way, he's teaching this week in church. I guarantee you, I will guarantee you, there was standing room only. I guarantee you, people that haven't been to synagogue in months, maybe even years, are like, I'm going today. Because they not only want to hear what he's got to say, because all the news is, nobody ever taught like this guy. And they're going, wait a minute, that's Jesus? You talking about Jesus? I worked with him in the carpenter shop. That's Jesus. I went to school with him. And word goes, the hometown boy is back. And Nazareth even today is, listen, Nazareth is just this little thing that if you're in the tour bus and they don't say, by the way, that was Nazareth, you just missed it. 
It's small today. It was smaller then. And words, oh, oh, man, the things he's doing and his teaching. And so I don't have any doubt there is standing room only in this synagogue. And not only do they want to hear the message, they're thinking, wow, surely he's going to do a miracle here. They hear about all the miracles he's done other places. I mean, surely he's going to do more than that when he comes home. I mean, we're his homies. I was just trying to be cool. Relate to some of the younger crowd. (laughs) And he began, verse 21, by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, even though every eye is fastened on him, I I just am of the opinion that even though every eye is fastened upon him, that not everybody there really caught what he just said. I mean, who catches everything that's said when the, the guy's giving the message? You don't. I don't. I forget uh, next week what I said last week, a lot of it. And, but I wonder if somebody didn't lean over and go, did, did he just say what I think he just said? What, what, what did he just say? Did, did he, he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Listen, they knew. What he, if they were really paying attention, what he's saying is, I'm the Messiah. Hometown boy. All spoke well of him. We're amazed at his gracious words. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Is that, is that Joseph's son? But at some point, and I, and I have to believe, based on verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words. I have to believe that we're not given the transcript. We don't have everything he said in that message. Because at some point in his delivery, he said some things they really didn't like. We have some of it recorded. Verse 23, Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. He's prophesying about them. When would they do that? Physician, heal yourself. When would they say something like that? When he's on the cross. All right, he healed others. Heal yourself. It was a mocking thing. He says, that's what you're going to say. And it got quiet like it's getting quiet now. Do here in your hometown what we've heard you did in Capernaum. You know where he goes after this hometown visit? Capernaum. You know what happened in Capernaum? He did a lot of miracles. And he begins to leave Capernaum. And you know what the Bible tells us? When he begins to leave Capernaum, the people of Capernaum say, what? Where are you going? No, stay with us. We love you. And so again, he's prophesying what you're going to say as physician to heal yourself. You're also going to mockingly, sarcastically, derogatorily say, well, do here what you did there. Verse 25 or verse 24, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Please note that. I underline that. I tell you the truth. He continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. So he's claiming to be a prophet. When the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. That's Gentile territory. They all knew that story. You know that story? Elijah ministers at a time there's a famine as a result of his prayer. God shut up the heavens. 
to try to get Israel's attention because of their spiritual condition. During the famine, God says to Elijah, go to, go to Sidon, go there. There's a widow of Zarephath in that region, and I've, I've, I'm going to provide for you through her. What? He goes, the widow is out when he gets there, uh, gathering a few sticks. She's intending to go back home. She's got one last meal. She's destitute. She's got one child. She says, I'm going home to make a, a, a meal for me and my son that we may die. They're out of resources in the famine. Elijah says to her, before you make something for you and your son, bring something for me. Now, on the surface, that sounds selfish. But if you understand, it's not selfish. It's the word of God through the man of God to this woman who is destitute. And she does by faith what the word of the Lord says for her to do. And she has to do it by faith. And she comes and she responds. And then the Lord does a miracle for her and her child. A miracle. And provides for her miraculously. The point is, you are just like the people of Israel in Elijah's day. And what God wanted to do, he couldn't do, despite their religiousness and despite their synagogue attendance and all that, you know, he couldn't really do what he wanted to do because they were just caught up in this religious thing and it wasn't real biblical faith. I'm sure that went over well, huh? <laughs> but he doesn't stop there. Verse 27, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed. Only Naaman the Syrian. Naaman. Naaman, not only a Syrian, enemy of Israel. Enemy of Israel. But he's a commander in the army of Syria. And he has leprosy. And leprosy to any Jew would be like, man, you really are a pagan. Look what God did to you. You got leprosy. And you, you deserve it. <laughs> and God heals this guy. Why? Because he responds by faith to the God of Israel. And it's a different story. The successor of Elijah's ministry, Elisha, different story, but same point, same point. You're just like the people of Elisha's day. And God couldn't do for them what he wanted to do because they really didn't have biblical faith. Oh, they believed in God. Oh, they had the religious thing going. Oh, they, didn't. they were in synagogue on some kind of a fairly regular basis, but God couldn't do for them what he wanted to do. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we go from verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips, to verse 28. And you talk about a shift. Verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. They're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. But it wasn't his time yet. And I love verse 30, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Because in the sovereignty of Almighty God, it's not his time to go to the cross yet. And so the Father delivers him. Oh, Father, deliver me a third time. Nobody even threw anything at me the first two services. <laughs> the truth can be especially offensive when it's presented by someone you're familiar with. Let me say it again. The truth can be especially offensive when it's presented by someone you are familiar with. And why would that be? Well, one of the reasons is, Jesus said, 
only in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own house as a prophet without honor. Well, you know, there's something that goes deeper than just that. Uh, somebody has coined the phrase, and I don't know who did it. I don't know how long it's been going on, but, it, but it's been around for a while. It goes like this. Familiarity breeds contempt. Now, that idiom has to do with not respecting someone because you know them well enough to know their shortcomings. The idea is, who do you think you are? And they're telling you something, and it confronts you about something in your life, and because you're so familiar with them, you know their shortcomings, and so you just go, who do you think you are? I know what you've done. Well, you look what you did back there in high school. Who are you talking to me about what I'm doing in my life? You're, you're divorced. I'm at least not divorced. I may be fooling around, but I'm not, hey, I'm not divorced. Who are you? Familiarity breeds contempt. I think that's why Moses had an especially tough job uh, because of the mistakes he made. Remember when he got, was first called and he responded, and, and it, but he's trying to be the deliverer in the, in the flesh. You know the story, right? He goes out and he, and he kills the Egyptian thinking that his people would recognize God called him to be the deliverer. Yeah, but, but God's got to do the work, you, not you. You're going to mess it all up, and he did. 40 years on the backside of the desert, but even those 40 years, people had not forgotten the mistakes Moses made. And you read in Numbers chapter 12, guess who were the first people to grumble against Moses were? And, and the reason, what did the re you know what it was? They didn't like his wife. You know who it was grumbling against him? His older brother Aaron and his sister Miriam. Then you get to Numbers 14, and the people grumble against Moses. And what's the, what's the grumbling? Who do you think you are? And then you get to Numbers 16, and a whole group of Israelite leaders, his, basically his board, big board, 250. And you know what their complaint was? You know what they said? You think you're the only one that can speak. You're always doing the speaking. We got other people who can speak just as good as you can. You think you're the only one anointed. We got some anointed guys. And because of the familiarity, I think that made it even tougher for Moses. You read the story of Joseph. Remember that story? 17 years old, youngest of all his brothers, father's favorite. Now, that wasn't right for him to be the favorite, but that's just, hey, that's just human nature. He was born in, in Jacob's old age. And so he's really especially loving on Joseph. And God gives Joseph these dreams that are prophetic, that one day his whole family will bow down in obeisance to him. And he goes and, and like, a, like a dumb teenager, goes and tells his brothers, older brothers. They say, what? What are you talking? You, they already didn't like him because he's the favorite of dad. Hey, well, you, we're actually going to bow down to you? Yeah, you got another thing coming. And he did have another thing coming. They did the same thing or started to do the same thing they tried to do to Jesus. They're going to kill him. And then one of, the, one of the brothers said, well, if we kill him, we, we're rid of him, but we don't get anything else but that. That's great. But, hey, let's get rid of him and get some money, too. So they sold him. Now, I understand stories like that. Now, I understand the human nature of familiarity breeds contempt. I understand because of the shortcomings we all have. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's go back to the story here. I understand familiarity breeds contempt. But this is Jesus. And this is Jesus. He'd done no wrong, right? He had done no wrong, and he always told the truth. So you can't use the idiom for the reason behind the idiom. Familiarity brings con breeds contempt. Doesn't work there. So why, why are they offended at you? Because really, it doesn't matter who it comes through. 
Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of the book of Mark, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again, Jesus showed himself as a servant throughout his life here on earth. He was a prime example of what we should strive for as we live our days to the best of our ability. Most times, serving comes at a cost or a sacrifice for those you're serving, but it's worth it in the end. Jesus exemplified this with his sacrifice on the cross, serving us in the most ultimate life-altering way. We trust that this gives you hope, perseverance, and an ambition to serve those around you in a way that reflects Jesus to others. If you want to hear this teaching in the book of Mark again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the resources tab and click on teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading program. Also under the resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, we'd be happy to meet you at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and learning more on The Living Word.